Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of PandaCast. I am Rainbow Red Panda, and today I am going to be talking about tag teams. Tag team wrestling has always been one of my favorite parts of any organization. If you have a strong tag team that I feel like I can connect with and that I really like, usually I like watching tag team matches over singles matches. I don't know if it's because like there's more people to do more things to make it more entertaining. You can tell a, a bigger story because there's more people involved or why exactly I'm more drawn to tag team whether it be just two-on-two or now the triple team is kind of coming back where, you know, you have three-on-three. Sometimes you'll get, like, crazy ones like five-on-five, six-on-six, something like that, but you don't see those as often. But today I'm going to be talking about just the basic two-member tag teams. So NXT announced last week that they are bringing back the Dusty Rhodes Classic And that is one of my favorite tournaments that they do just because it is tag team based and you get to see all kinds of different teams. And I don't know, I just, I really love tag team wrestling. So that's always been one of the most entertaining tournaments that they have for me, both in WWE and in NXT. I think we all learned last week in my Q&A that I do prefer NXT over the red and blue WWE brands. So all of their tournaments are really good, but the Dusty Rhodes is definitely my favorite. So I wanted to do this episode talking about my favorite tag team, some of my favorite tag teams of my memory. You know, I have seen so many tag teams come and go and some of them can be entertaining, but these are the ones that have kind of stuck with me throughout my history of watching wrestling. Some of them are older, some of them are newer, some of them are going to be ones that probably only I like and are not going to be on anyone else's lists. This does not necessarily mean that these are the only tag teams that I like or that I don't like other ones. They're just the ones that come to mind first. They're not in any particular order. This isn't like a numerical least favorite to favorite list. It's just a list of tag teams that have made an impact on my wrestling watching career. So to start off with, we have the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. I liked them the most during their Paul Ellering days, but they were one of those teams that I saw on everything. They were on like all programs that I watched at different times. When I was younger, like, I knew, obviously, there were two organizations. There was WWF and WCW, and then there was obviously more than that, but those were the two main ones that I saw on television. And sometimes you would see somebody from WWF suddenly be on WCW, and I was always just like, wait, did something happen? Like, what happened? Why is this person now on this? Like, it kind of made me question if... I had been misremembering them being on the other show. And that happened with the Road Warriors a lot. They were the most remembered for me just because their look. They had the face paint and the hair and the, like the huge shoulder pad spikes and all of that. And so they were just something that I really remembered. And so seeing them consistently on the different platforms, it was great because... I felt like there was never really much time without seeing them, but it was just always weird for me being like, oh, like they're on this show and now they're on this show and like now all of a sudden they're being called the Legion of Doom, but they're still Road Warrior, Hawk, and Animal, but I loved it. I loved everything about them. The classic, like, oh, what a rush, like their entrance, it was, it was just great. I was really good to see them get inducted into the Hall of Fame. That was one of the three Hall of Fame ceremonies that I've been to and it was it was great to see them. I I liked the the tribute to Hawk where they had the little action figure. Paul Ellering has always been really good with his manager skills. I really liked when he was the manager of AOP and NXT. I was kind of hoping they would keep that going into bringing them into WWE, but for whatever reason, 
that has not happened, but um, the Road Warriors definitely are one of my favorite tag teams of all time. If you have to watch just like one of their matches, I would just go to YouTube and put in Road Warriors versus the Nasty Boys. The match where they won the tag team titles from them, it was really good. The Road Warriors and Nasty Boys, they worked really well together. They were definitely good compliments at each other for the tag team. And yeah, definitely one of the most memorable, my first most memorable tag teams. They might be the first tag team that I can remember that I like, I knew was a tag team. Like the Heart Foundation and all of that. But those were the sort of things where there were so many members that sometimes you know my young brain didn't put together that it was like they were this these two are definitely a team and not just like you know there's five of them and two of them might team sometimes and two of them might team another time so that is my first tag team the next team that I want to talk about is a little more recent and it is hashtag DIY now this team was comprised of Johnny Gargano otherwise known as so many different things. You have Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Champion, Johnny Everything. I'm wondering if uh, John Morrison is going to have a little angle with him if Johnny Gargano ever gets put into the main roster because they kind of have similar things with like the, the name play. So you have Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, which is one of my favorite Tommaso Ciampa is just, he's great as a singles competitor, as a tag team, whatever. But DIY, they were a tag team for about four years. They won the titles together. You know, they seemed really great together. They worked well. They had really great chemistry. And they've both gone on to have singles matches and singles success. I think the turn where Tommaso Ciampa turned on Johnny Gargano was one of the most shocking turns for a tag team, especially in NXT that I've seen, but I get it, like most tag teams are comprised of two individuals and they aren't going to stay a team forever. But that one was one that hit especially hard for some reason to me, because I just, I really liked them together. In NXT, they did a lot of really great work with different teams. I think my favorite um, storyline rival that they had was with The Revival, and The Revival have since moved on to Raw and SmackDown. They've been on both both shows. I really hope that if Champa and Gargano ever make it into the main roster that maybe they reunite every once in a while as DIY, and I would love to see more stuff with them with The Revival, with some of the other teams that are going on now. And, I mean, DIY had a lot of really good success in the Dusty Rhodes Classics in the past. So, it's it's cool to see, you know, them both have their individual success, but also their united success. It was really great. And I think my favorite match of them was the 2 out of 3 falls match, where they won the tag team titles, and that was against Revival. It was at an NXT TakeOver. I believe it was Toronto. But definitely check out that match if you haven't seen it. To me, that's like you know, being introduced to them, that's that's the one that I would start with. Two out of three falls matches are always, you know, really entertaining. You know that you're going to be in for a good show, but that one was like, it was one of my favorites. The next tag team that I want to talk about is one that, this is going to be probably one of the two or three kind of ones that people are like, why are you talking about these people? Like, Really, of all the tag teams in the history of wrestling, these are the people that you choose to, like, root for. But yes, I'm weird. I can like whoever I want to like. And I have always thought that both of these individuals were very underrated. They were never used to their proper potential. And that is Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. I love them as a tag team. I love that it's been over 10 years and they're both still here. They're both still going. They aren't giving up. I think that Zack Ryder deserves so much credit with so many things for WWE. Like, he might not be the main man on their roster. He may never be the main man on their roster, but when social media was happening, he was like one of the first ones to jump on 
be on Twitter, be on YouTube, be on everything. And WWE was forced to take notice. And then they started their own social media stuff. So I really think that if he wouldn't have taken that step to just further his career and be like, hey guys, like this is me. Like they're not putting me on TV, but I'm going to do this stuff so that you can still watch me and know that like I'm still around. And the Z2 Hollywood story was so great. The stuff that him and Kurt Hawkins did in the ring... I love it. It's entertaining. It may not be like a five-star match, but I've always loved them since they were edges, like body doubles, and then breaking out. And I mean, recently, I think if you were going to watch a match of theirs, you know, they won the tag team titles at WrestleMania recently, like last year. And that match, it was, it was really good for me. Like, it was a nice story. You know, they documented that you know they hadn't been on raw for so long and then they finally were given opportunities but they had lost for 293 days or something crazy like that in a row like all they did was lose and then finally on the biggest stage of them all they were given a win and those are the the underdog stories like that and just the the stories that you know most wrestlers probably would have been frustrated and given up by now you know they're not being used appropriately they're not being used how they want to be used they could probably go to any other organization and be more successful but the WWE is their dream and they stick around they show up they bust their asses and they are given some recognition for it and maybe not from the company but from the fans, I love them. I have a Zack Ryder shirt that I wear all the time and I wear it proudly. I'm sorry, but I, I'm surprised that I like him, but I really do. I think that he is really talented and I think that, you know, if you just give him a chance, he will be really good. So Hawkins and Ryder always have to be one of my favorite tag teams. I just, I don't know, they, they don't give up. You can't, you can't hate on them because they're, they're still here, you know? You, you try and do what they do and see how it works out for you. That's all I can say about the people that are going to hate on them as a tag team. The next tag team is probably one that everyone is going to expect me to have on my list, and it is the Hardy Boys. I could have put... A bunch of other ones on this list. I chose not to put Edge and Christian and the Dudley Boys on this list just because I didn't want it to be a super super long list and I can also talk about them while talking about the Hardy Boys because they did do so much for the industry all three teams together. They kind of did the whole two on two on two. They had so many matches against each other for the titles and having the thing of the Hardys being the latter people, Edge and Christian being the chair people, and then you have the Dudley boys with the classic, like, Devon, get the tables! And it's just the three of those elements being put together to create something that is still around today, the TLC match. And it's used now not only for tag team titles, but for the world championship, any any title, any match now can be made a TLC match. And Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys, and the Dudley Boys, they started that. You know, that was their baby. And the first match, if you go back and you watch that first TLC match, it is just, it's so amazing that you're willing to put your bodies on the line. This hadn't really been done in that setting before. And there's obvious people are going to get hurt. I mean, Edge and Christian, both of them, as individuals are no longer actively wrestling. On top of all the success that they had with Edge and Christian and the Dudley Boys, they also had a lot of success in other places. So they won the tag team titles so many times at this point, and they're still relatively around today. Jeff has definitely had his share of demons, both with substance and alcohol abuse. He's had multiple DUIs and different run-ins with the law. And that is sort of one of the more tragic parts about so many different things. The wrestling business, some of that stuff is stuff that could have been 
a genetic thing. I know that Matt also at one point was having issues with alcohol. I don't know if there's other stuff involved, but their tag team, I feel like because of every once in a while, they'd have like a personal struggle bump in the road. They never got to thrive individually or as a unit the way that a lot of other teams got to. Later on, I will talk about another tag team, and I hear all the time this tag team described as the new Hardy Boys, and I have opinions on that, and I'll talk about it later on when I get to that specific team. But I do think that the Hardys did deserve more than they got, and they got a lot, but they were really great. Like, they were a very high-risk, high-reward kind of team, and I think that some of that did end up kind of hurting their career because I think the same high risk, high reward also floated on into their personal lives and that kind of stuff is not something that you really can risk and have a good outcome. But their matches are always entertaining. I love seeing them in person. I love that you know, they are able to tell stories and really make me, at least, feel feel the story. When Jeff won his individual title, the world title, I was so excited. It was one of the best moments in my wrestling life because, you know, I had... I'd wanted him to have this. You know, last episode I talked about the match of him and The Undertaker and, like, ever since then I was like you know, he could be a champion one day. And I really liked when WWE finally gave him that opportunity and I made sure that I did everything in my power to try and see him as a champion. And then to me, it's the pay-per-view. I remember very specifically, Jeff has been, there's this mystery attacker and it turns out that it's, it's Matt and Matt costs him this title. And so the day that my first ever wrestling event was technically two Smackdowns in Indiana and it was the Smackdowns after that pay-per-view and it was like Matt coming out and talking about how he hated his brother and like just all of this why he did this to his brother and everything and and I just remember being so angry at him because this was my moment I was gonna get to to see Jeff as a champion and get to have this moment and he took that from me obviously it's it's scripted but even though I knew that I was still just like you did this to me and I'm really upset about it and I'm gonna let you know about it so it was a great story to tell it was it was a great storyline even though I didn't like the outcome, but that just means that they did their job. It wasn't a storyline that I didn't care about. I very much cared and I just didn't like the way that it, it came out. But the Hardy Boys, they, they work so well together, but they also work well against each other. And that was very much showcased in this feud. They have gone on to other organizations in the past and it's... It's worked out. I think that Matt definitely had more success in the indies and was taken more seriously. He was given more freedoms. He was thriving before he came back to WWE and I think that he was under the impression that WWE was going to utilize a lot of the stuff that he did in the indies and instead they kind of have just pushed him back into the stereotypical Hardy Boys role which as a fan you like to see, but I would like to see them let him have his, you know, broken Matt Hardy and that whole gimmick because it was really good and that was something that, you know, he came up with. So whether it's something of they want creative control of that and he's not going to give that to them so they won't let him use it, if it's something like that, only time will tell. But I really hope that right now that Jeff gets his shit together and they are able to finish out whatever their contract is in WWE and either then, you know, retire or go to another organization where they can be better used. But I hope that they both are able to stay healthy and both mentally and physically and that they do go on to have some, some more really good matches because I don't think that their time is over yet. I don't think it's time for them to retire. But if you need to watch some Hardy Boys matches, I would say the TLC match. If you Google the feud between Matt and Jeff, that's always a really good storyline. Just 
try not to watch some of Jeff's TNA stuff because it can get really sad whenever he was in a bad place. It was bad. Like the match that he had with Sting. Don't, don't watch that. Don't watch that, but watch the other stuff. Some of the stuff was really good. Or you can go and watch the Undertaker match that I recommended last week. Still my favorite. So from the Hardy Boys, a, a team that to most people can agree is a really good tag team. You have one that is probably only on my list and maybe a few other people's, but it's a team that most people don't think about, but I loved them and I have hopes that maybe now, eventually, they might somehow be able to be reunited even just for one match. I think it would be really cool. And that is The Miz and John Morrison. Miz and Morrison, I don't know why I loved them so much, but I do. I love The Miz. I've always loved The Miz. I think I'm drawn to The Miz and I like him as much as I do because he was one of the first wrestlers that I was able to like follow for his entire career. He was on the real world, introduced his Miz character there, and then from then you got to kind of follow what he did afterwards. And he would go on these challenges and he would win money and then he would use that money to further his wrestling career and you got to see him like go up through the indies do the nxt thing at the time it was like a a search like a talent search and i just i really love that i got to watch him blossom it wasn't like all of a sudden he was just thrown at me on tv i don't know if i would have liked him if i didn't know him from before but john morrison um, he's just something. I, I can't even describe my thoughts on John Morrison because he introduced me to things that I had necessarily never heard of. I had never really known about the parkour circuit and all of that kind of stuff until he was doing all these crazy moves and able to run off of walls and you know, all the different flips and just crazy things that he can do. And I had never really seen a lot of that before. And then finally he would do videos and stuff talking about how he goes to parkour and he does parkour and it was like all these videos and obviously I'm not gonna try and do that because that's not something that I feel like I should do. I don't trust myself enough to be able to do those kinds of things but I love that it has inspired so many people to go and do those things and the two of them together as a tag team, I loved the dirt sheet segments. So many of their matches were against tag teams that I'm just nostalgically obsessed with. You have DX, you have DX meaning Shawn Michaels and Triple H. I didn't include DX in this because once again to me that's like a faction, but Triple H and Shawn Michaels whenever they would tag together after DX had been created they would call them DX, but DX to me isn't just the two of them, it's the group as a whole. So once again not in, not in this list, but they are definitely one of my favorite factions of all times. Maybe I'll make another podcast about that in the future but they they were so good with their dirt sheet and their promos and talking and I really liked the way that they wrestled together I thought that they did have chemistry I liked the look I liked them coming out with the slow motion and all of that which is something that Morrison kind of brought over it wasn't something that was exclusive to the two of them but it was just so great and I loved it and one of the things that I watched recently, and I had seen it when it happened, but at the time I didn't really think too much about it, but I've watched it now and it's just, it's so funny to see is during their feud with DX, they brought out two people to be dressed like Shawn Michaels and Triple H to, to mock them and make fun of them. And those two people were... Matt and Nick Jackson, otherwise known as the Young Bucks. And it's just so crazy to see the Young Bucks when they truly were Young Bucks and be in that promo and be alongside these two people and also impersonating two people that I love. So it's almost just like six of my favorite people were in a ring together. And I loved that promo. I thought that it was hilarious now it's even more hilarious because you've seen what the young bucks have gone on to do and that they're not just like these jobbers that you book to just show up in a ring and wear weird fake prosthetic noses and 
I love that promo. It's so classic. If you go back and watch it, it's just, it's great. And then going and watching the Miz and Morrison versus DX match that happened afterwards, it's just, if anything, it just pulls at my nostalgic heartstrings. I just love it. I love the idea of like an old tag team, a newer tag team coming together and just putting on a performance. And they also did some stuff with another team that I'm going to talk about later, and I'll talk about that match when it, it needs to happen. But yes, Miz and Morrison, I really hope for at least one time of, of reuniting, because I I just, I loved them together. I Once again, I feel like I'm one of the few, but I loved it. The whole be jealous thing was amazing, and it just, like, A plus television right there to me. That is must see as Miz would put in his angles now. The next tag team is one that growing up I had so many opinions about both of these wrestlers, one more than the other, but they came together and they worked really well together. And that is Kane and The Undertaker, otherwise known as the Brothers of Destruction. Now, I loved The Undertaker but I also was terrified of my first impression of The Undertaker growing up as like literally like a very small child, under five, probably like three, terrified, absolutely terrified. I will go into all of those things in a different episode because it's not really relevant to this, but he was able to terrify me and then later on excite me and be, I just completely was able to turn my opinion of him around and that's sort of... A really great quality trait of a wrestling character is being able to make people feel certain things and obviously I was young and so obviously younger people are going to like be more susceptible to those kinds of things but I loved it and I love that now I am a huge Undertaker fan but I can still remember back in the day being terrified so when Kane was brought into the picture he was brought in as being the long-lost brother of the Undertaker he was brought in by Paul Bearer as sort of like this Kane is gonna get you be wary of Kane kind of of thing the Undertaker did seem kind of taken aback I don't want to say he was scared but maybe and Kane was introduced while they actually in real life were not real brothers I think that Kane and the Undertaker had chemistry similar to some of the other tag teams that I've mentioned where they work good against each other but they also were finally after they put their like personal differences aside they were able to come together and have some really great tag team matches they won titles together they just did so much together and even recently you know they always kind of come back and reunite and while I didn't watch their last reunion in Saudi Arabia for reasons that I kind of talked about in the last podcast of, you know, I don't really support the pay-per-views that they do in Saudi, so I don't I don't watch it. And also that was the match that Shawn Michaels came back for, and I didn't want to see that because he should have, you know, stayed retired in my brain. So I didn't watch any of those matches. I didn't even really hear about it. I didn't want to hear about it. I just wanted it to not have ever happened, but it did. I wouldn't recommend going and watching that match, but... They've done some really good matches. They've they did a match with Miz and Morrison, which I really liked for similar reasons of like, you know, you have an older team, a newer team, and they both really work well together and have chemistry. So having them have a match together was I, I enjoyed it. They've also did a lot of other stuff that was non Saudi themed with um Shawn Michaels and Triple H. So I would say go and watch all of those matches. The four of them work really, really well together. The Undertaker, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels work really well together. You add Kane into it and it's it's really good. There's also a match where they team with Daniel Bryan, who was a former tag partner of Kane's. So sort of like the Brothers of Destruction and Team Hell No versus the Wyatt Family, which was also a really great match to watch. And I just, I love that, to me, The Undertaker is one of the first wrestlers that I can remember that does sort of, he's a big guy, but he does try and do every once in a while some of, like, the agility things that you see the younger, smaller guys doing. And I love that he still kind of 
tries to do that almost every time I see him. You know, every time he wrestles, you know, you, you almost always get like an old school, which is where he, you know, climbs to the top and then he walks across the top rope, like a tightrope kind of, and then he ends up jumping off of it. And while it's not like, you know, a 450 or like any kind of like crazy flip or anything for like a guy that size to like tightrope a freaking rope, it's fun to see. It's great. I don't care if it's not the most exciting thing for that the big guys are doing right now, but I feel like those little things are what kind of enabled what we have now of people coming out of their shell and doing more things that are like, big guys don't normally do those things. They are just here to be strong and hit people and knock them down. And The Undertaker can do that, but he can also do a lot of other stuff. So I like that he can be very well-rounded. And then you have Kane, who is so great. Well, The Undertaker is great in mic and promo skills too, but Kane, he's great at that. He's one of the first wrestlers that I feel really mastered working in his mask the way that he does whenever he chooses to wear it. There is sometimes you have Kane with a mask and sometimes Kane without a mask, but wrestling with a mask can sometimes be challenging because you don't get to see the emotions and stuff. So you have to figure out a way to make it come through without, you know, being able to show facial features. And I think that he did really, really well with that. And the whole dramatic taking off the mask for the first time, like it was storylines like that, that I'll always remember. And the Brothers of Destruction will probably always be one of my top favorite tag teams just because the two individuals and they come together and they get even better. Like, I don't know how they do it, but it's just, it's really good. So I would go and watch the Brothers of Destruction face DX and see where it takes you from there. It'll just probably take you down a rabbit hole that you're not going to regret. The next tag team is going to be the first tag team that I talk about that has not been in the WWE. One of its members is currently in the WWE, but the other one is not, and that is Beer Money. I love James Storm and Bobby Roode as he was at the time, and I thought that their chemistry was really good. I shouldn't I shouldn't have liked anything about that tag team. I'm not into beer or any really drinking storylines. Like I like Stone Cold and I appreciate Stone Cold and I recognize that he's one of the greatest of all times and he's great at promos but like the beer stuff I just never really got into because it just it wasn't my thing it wasn't something that I was into it's not something I cared about but beer money like took his stuff and then ramped it up and it was great seeing like James Storm come down in various different helmets or devices that he can use to drink beer the promos sometimes reminded me of a cross between like the APA and Stone Cold and they just had some really really great matches together. They worked extremely well together and they were sort of the first tag team in TNA that I really was drawn to and from them I was able to find a bunch of other tag teams because the tag team division in Impact did get really good at one point and I liked the tag teams on that program more than I did on Raw or SmackDown. And Beer Money was one of the first teams that made that impact for me. So, I mean, from start to finish of one of their matches with the, you know, their music hitting and it's just like, sorry about your damn luck. And just from the start to finish, it was it was just really good. And if you're going to watch a match from them, I would recommend the Monsters Ball match that they had with Matt Morgan and Abyss and um, LAX and Team 3D, which is otherwise known as the Dudley Boys because they had to rebrand once they moved to other organizations. But that match, it was really good. And, you know, a Monsters Ball match is one of those matches that a team like Beer Money shouldn't be in. They were kind of like sticking out like, why are you here? Like this isn't your type of match. It was basically like a hardcore match, hardcore math, death match, 
whatever you want to call it, that's, that's what it was supposed to be. And they did a really good job of including beer money while not, they weren't the ones that were getting their faces like cheese grated and stuff, but they, they definitely made a memorable match for themselves, but it's not something that they really do other than that. But it was a, it was a good match and it, it lets you look at other tag teams like abyss is not normally known for tag team work but i love a lot of like anything that he does so watch beer money watch their promos watch their everything just everything about them was was just so entertaining and that kind of also leads to the next team which was another impact ex well yeah it was impact exclusive and now they've expanded to other places, and that is Bad Influence. Now, I'm talking about the original Bad Influence. I know now we have SCU, but the original Bad Influence was just Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. I always just call them Kaz and Daniels, and they were just so entertaining. They are another one of those very heel tag teams that do the promos, making fun of everybody and it's just it's very it's just so funny to me I don't I don't know why once again they're not people that I should like and I think one of the main reasons that I ended up liking them as much as I did is because I've met them at various events I think I've met them like four times now and obviously I remember them because they're Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels but somehow they remember me and it's always interesting that they are able to remember and I don't I don't know if I met them now because it's been a few years since I've met them now but at the time like they always would remember me and it was it was always just really cool that like they were able to remember and they're always if you met them in person while they had a title they would never let anyone touch it like you couldn't touch it you couldn't hold it but they would let me hold it and I think I have a picture of them somewhere where we went to like TNA Slammiversary 10 and they had this like VIP meet and greet um, thing and you could walk around and just kind of talk to whoever. And we, me and the person I was with, we went up to, to Kaz and Daniels just to get a picture. And I think the person I was with, he wasn't really a wrestling fan, but he was just there because I was there. And he asked them like, oh, like, can I hold the belt? And they're just like, no, like, don't, you can't touch it. Don't look at it, whatever. And then I came up and I don't even remember if I asked, but I, I held... I think it was Christopher Daniels' belt, like, I got to hold it in the picture, and I'm just like, oh, that's, that's really fun, like, but also, like, why did you let me hold it, you didn't let, you know, him hold it, and then people after that, they wouldn't let them hold it, so I don't know what it was, that was, it was just a very interesting storyline, just internally with me, and I, I really appreciated that, it, it made them very memorable, but, you know, you have, in that time, you have Christopher Daniels, who I want to say is one of the original scarf pioneers like sorry Chris Jericho but you watch like early 2000s like probably maybe even late 90s and you have Christopher Daniels out there rocking that scarf and it doesn't make sense with his outfit most of the time but it was amazing to like see it I, I it's, it's kind of weird that like he doesn't really wear it anymore maybe because Jericho has it and he's just like oh that's his thing so I'll, I'll let him have it now but sorry MJF sorry Chris Jericho but Christopher Daniels he started this scarf trend and you guys owe him all your royalties but Christopher Daniels would be out there with his scarf he would have his apple martini and they would just always be so entertaining like their little catchphrase would be like you have permission to worship us now and I just I loved it I loved everything about it and I'm glad that they stayed together and they added Scorpio Sky and now you have SCU in AEW and I love I love that team as well if you're going to watch a bad influence match I would say first of all watching the promo that they did on AJ Styles where Christopher Daniels was issuing an open challenge. He called out AJ Styles, and it wasn't AJ Styles that came out, but Frankie Kazarian dressed as AJ Styles. I, I loved that promo. I thought it was amazing. But then you have the Kaz and Daniels versus Magnus and Samoa Joe, and that was that was such a great match to me. But they had so many great matches in general that they, it's, it's hard to find a bad 
bad influence match, but I, I would recommend those two things. The next one is a newer tag team, probably the newest tag team on my list, and it is the Best Friends. I'm talking about the two members of Best Friends. I'm leaving my sweet, sweet, beloved Orange Cassidy out of it because he is the Best Friends with Orange Cassidy, which almost is a play on orange juice to me because you have orange juice like with pulp and in this case Orange Cassidy is the pulp of best friends but best friends in general you have Trent Beretta who is now just known as Trent and Chuck Taylor, Chucky e. T and the two of them together I think they're really funny they can be you know sweet they're almost like Sour Patch Kids like they can be really sweet they can be sour and I love that through BTE being the elite you get to get a look at them in other capacities I feel like that's something that is BTE for being the elite the various members of the group that kind of founded AEW known as the elite they started the show that is very similar to what you have on what Zack Ryder started with Z True Hollywood Story, only it's definitely lasted a lot longer and it's it's bigger. But you've got to see, you know, when they were signed to AEW and, you know, them threatening, anonymously threatening the the children of the Young Bucks because they didn't want to be in a singles tournament. And I I don't know, they're just, they're so entertaining to me, them coming together and doing the hugs, and they were the original people that did sort of what the Young Bucks do now with the room service. They used to do an eating show similar to that, and they're just, they've been two really entertaining individuals, and I love seeing them tag team. I love that, that Trent went from being on Zack Ryder's Twitter and shows all the time being like, where's Trent? Because, you know, Trent Beretta used to be part of WWE. To being, you know, in this group, best friends, and it's just, you know, the song, the the hugs, the shirts, just everything about them. I think that they're going to be really big in AEW, and I look forward to seeing what they do, both with and without my beloved Orange Orange Cassidy. If you're going to watch a match from the Best Friends, I would recommend just watching parts of the New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, the World Tag League that they have every year, the 2007 bracket. They had um, a lot of really good matches in that, and it sort of showcases all the stuff that they kind of did prior to AEW. They had some really good matches in AEW, but most of them do involve Orange Cassidy. And the final tag teams that I'm going to talk about... There are two, I'm going to try and talk about them individually, but the match that I would recommend for these tag teams involve them together. So, the first one is going to be the Young Bucks, which I kind of talked about a little bit earlier because one of the first times that I had been introduced to the Young Bucks was through their promo that they did with Miz and Morrison, dressing up as DX, and then later on I saw them on TNA, and... I loved them. They, to me at the time, they were like, oh, this is TNA's version of the Hardy Boys. And yes, I was somebody that thought that because they are one of the tag teams out there that are biological brothers. Sometimes you have people like Edge and Christian were originally billed as brothers, Undertaker and Kane billed as brothers, not actual brothers. But, you know, Hardy Boys, actual brothers, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, um, the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson. I believe Jackson is not their actual last name, but I'm pretty sure their names are both actually Matt and Nick. But they have broken the stereotype for me as being this generation's Hardy Boys. They have gone above and beyond, in my opinion, what the Hardy Boys have done. Are they entertaining and did they start off after the Hardy Boys? Yes, but to me... It's not a comparison anymore. They have been around for over 15 years at this point, I think. And they've won tag team titles in every organization that they've been in. They have gone and done so much in so many countries. They have a synchronicity and just a mind for this business. Like, 
AEW wouldn't have existed without them. You know, that was something that Tony Khan and one of them, I think it was Matt, it might have been Nick, I might be wrong on that, but one of one of the brothers and Tony Khan were like the original people that kind of talked about making AEW a thing. So, you know, without the Young Bucks, you wouldn't have this, this whole organization now. And they kind of wanted that organization for a way of making it to the big leagues without going through WWE because sometimes, you know, you're not used like you want to be used or you have problems with your gimmick or whatever. And so they have this organization now that they do, they still allow their wrestlers to wrestle on the indies. And I think that's really cool. Like right now, a lot of them are in Japan at the Tokyo Dome doing what they love and then on Wednesday they're gonna be back on my television on TNT doing what they love again and the Young Bucks you know they they own this company they they're part of it they they get to make the creative decisions but they're really focusing on making the tag team division the best that it can be every every dynamite has ended with a tag team match their tag team tournaments, they easily could have been like, oh, well, we're the Young Bucks, we're the senior people here, and we get to control everything, so we're going to win this tournament. But they didn't. They eliminated themselves in the first round and allowed these other teams to, to shine. I do think that they will eventually become the tag team champions of AEW, but I don't think that they're out here to just showcase themselves. They're out here to shine the spotlight on all of these individuals. And they've had so many great matches in all of their organizations. I think that my favorite stuff that they've done is the stuff that they did in Japan, but the stuff they did in Impact and in Ring of Honor was, it was still really good. I loved the Bullet Club stuff that they did. I was at Hammerstein during Adam, Col Adam Cole's curtain call and to see them in probably the most heel performance that you can really see the Young Bucks. Not that the Bullet Club is like a heel, but I mean, turning on your leader is kind of like a heel move. Um, but like, you know, to see them in the black shirts and, and be kind of like the more serious Bucks, um, it was really cool to see and I like that they do have dimension and I like that at the end of the day, they're pretty much just they want to be a tag team, you know, they're in this together, they're not a tag team that's put together because they don't have anything for the two individuals, so they stick them together, and then eventually they'll break them apart and send them on their separate ways. They're not like the Hardy Boys, where they each have singles careers that span many years. They're Matt and Nick Jackson, they're the Young Bucks, you know, they, they do stuff together, they do have some singles matches, but for the most part, they stay together, and you, I, I respect that, you know, that's, it's rare that you find someone in the industry that their goal isn't to win, you know, the world heavyweight championship. Their goal is to be the best tag team, and I really think that they have accomplished that. I would say the Young Bucks is one of, if not the best tag team that has been in professional wrestling. They are just so good at their craft, they take it so seriously, they train so hard for what they do, and they're really able to synchronize and do a lot of, you know, tag team, tag maneuvers together that are very unique, and I, I really like that. And watching them on Being the Elite, which is something that they edit and shoot, you get a whole nother look at it, and it's, it's really great to see what they do. So I really love the Young Bucks, and my favorite compliment to them in one of my favorite matches that they were in involves the Golden Lovers, which is Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega. Now, Kenny Omega is one of my favorite wrestlers ever. I know he wasn't on my list last week, but he's still one of my favorites. That list was not representative of how I feel at all times. It was just representative of how I felt at that time. But the two of them together and hearing the story of like, you know, Kenny wanted to face Ibushi and he got to do that. But then by facing him, they realized that they had a chemistry and they became a team 
and they teamed and did all the team things and just I feel like that storyline while it wasn't meant to be about anything specific the fact that they chose to call themselves the Golden Lovers over the original name that was pitched to them, which was like the Golden Twins or something like that. They had people wondering, what are they? Is this like a Billy and Chuck situation? Is this just like a tag? Like, you know, are they together? Are they not together? And I, I loved that, you know, they were able to tell this kind of like a love story in a way of like coming together and then, you know, being torn apart, but they're still always they always find their way back to each other and my favorite one of my favorite matches that they've had was probably the final match I believe it was the final match that they've had together thus far it was the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks at um, an event in Japan and it was so good I love just the two of those teams those are like two of my favorite teams so them coming together and having this incredible match you know the Young Bucks and Kenny are part of the elite together so they're they know each other very well and they have chemistry and then you have you know Abushi and, and Kenny but they're insane chemistry like they do things together that I just was like how how like both of them standing on the top rope and then jumping off together and doing like the same thing at the same time and landing together and I'm just like, that's just so, like, if I tried to do that with somebody, we would, like, hit each other jumping down. And, like, I just, even being good, that just takes a whole nother level of skill that my brain just can't think about. And just, I, I just, I almost wish that Ibushi would just leave his current organization and just come to AEW and just be around all the time because he is so talented. And I... I think that now the people in Japan are being showcased more in America, but there are a lot of them that definitely go under the radar that everyone needs to know about. I would definitely always suggest looking at New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Japan Wrestling, like just just go to Japan and watch wrestling. Like I haven't done that, but it's on my bucket list of stuff to do because I just, I think it would be amazing. But the two teams that match, it it was to me like one of the best tag team matches that I can talk about. Like, it was just so great. It was such a long, heartstring pulling match. And that's, I mean, I can't talk about any matches after that because it's, it's just so great. So my recommendation of this week is that you go and you watch The Golden Lovers versus The Young Bucks. Put it on YouTube. I don't know if the full match will come up, but there will definitely be like the best parts. And it was just such a great match. So down below, let me know what your favorite tag teams were, are, however you watch wrestling, past, present, who your favorite tag teams are, if you prefer tag team versus singles. I definitely prefer tag team, but I do appreciate a good singles match. And that's all I have for you this week. Next week, I hope to be talking about a live event that I will be going to between now and then. We'll see what happens with that. And... Other than that, I just want to say, you know, thank you guys for listening to episode one. I appreciate all the feedback and everything. Let me know if there's anything that you want me to talk about. And that's all I have for you this week. So I will see you guys on the next one. Bye!